Sweat Equity Podcast, the number one business comedy podcast in the world. A little bit of a different intro this morning. Uh, We, Eric and I, were supposed to do a psilocybin party, kind of a reset. You know, Nintendo game, (laughs) put it back in, feel good, uh, and record a second episode. But uh, because I'm super white, I got a lot of sinus migraines this last week, so we didn't record an episode. So what you're getting, what you're getting is uh, an interview I did with Six Figure Rebels. I think it's a podcast company that is basically trying to book people, make money off a podcast, but it's a good business convo, and I might have a bonus episode to make up to repent. This episode is brought to you by Zupyak, Z-U-P-Y-A-K. Do you want a content writer that is easy to use? Zupyak is what I've been I've been uh, going steady with. I've um, been making sweet relations on a marketing automation, content automation kind of way, and it's the SEO AI driven uh, content writer for you. Look, we don't like AI apps because a lot of them are are dog shit, but this one's good. If you go to Zupyak and put in the promo code SWEAT, you get the hookup. Holler if you hear me. And our secondary sponsors, LinkedIn Premium. You can befriend Eric and I on LinkedIn if you want. We're connection horrors. Um, Squarespace, you're all in one website. Builder just came out with a bunch of new features that I am super nerd excited about. And CallRail, you want to track all the calls from all the marketing tactics you're doing. CallRail is the shiznit. And last but not least, I forget to plug our own company, Tokabaga, T-O-C-O-B dot G-A. If you want some lead generation, ROI driven, and you want to have me at the helm of it, or Eric at the helm of it, we don't have account managers, we got fractional CMOs, you don't get pawned off to some intern that's pretending to be client services. And if you're listening to this in your ear holes, or at work, or uh, in the car jogging, doing laundry, whatever, you know, pass this on to a friend. Go over to the app you're listening to this on. Give us a five-star review. Share it with a friend, a loved one, a coworker. Send it to someone you haven't talked to in a while. Just randomly go, hey, I think you like this podcast. That would be kind of fun. We want to get in the top charts for the business category because we think it would be kind of funny. We, we tell a lot of dick jokes. Let's get this party started. Hi! My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Britt here from the show as usual. And I'm here with a very exciting guest, Law Smith. You guys, he's a stand-up comedian, a fractional CMO. He is an, the owner and operator of Tokabaga. And Law, you might have to correct me. I might have butchered how I said that. <laughs> uh, uh, Tokabaga, yeah. Tokabaga, okay. I yeah. got it. Great. He's also the host of Sweat, uh, Sweat Equity. Um, 
podcast, you guys. So we'll get into that in just a second. But Law, I just wanted to take the time to really get you to, you know, come on here and start by sharing your journey. I mean, how did you get to where you are today? Um, well, uh, not without some uh, dark holes with a divorce, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I started doing stand up in uh, 2007 and I worked at a mutual fund company called Dimensional Fund Advisors, which was way out of my uh, academic kind of brain. Uh, I was a grunt for a bunch of about like 20 guys in, in my uh, client services department. And then I would go do stand up every night in LA. I moved back to uh, where I'm, I'm one of the rare people that was born and raised in Tampa, uh, the rare third generation. Because T- Tampa and Florida in general, it's everybody moves here from somewhere else, right? It's a right. sunny state. It's a sunny state for shady people, as uh, I saw <laughs> on a bumper sticker growing up. I love that. <laughs> um, and so uh, I I didn't want to be an actor in L.A. I just wanted to do stand up. And um, I had started kind of and, and was going to remote or online uh, business school at Auburn as well while being a road comic, while working during the day, and eventually got into the marketing uh, area. I have have a business plan writing background as well. So I I have a weird mix of, I'm 38 years old, I'm in between kind of the pre-internet for everybody age and always having internet age, right? Um, And I feel like that has helped me in, in a big way kind of be able to communicate like here, a lot of digital marketing is what I do during the day. And so trying to explain it to low tech kind of people, it, it helps because it helps me from my standup background to be able to explain it to almost any audience. Um, and so, so in 2014, uh, I started my own uh, marketing agency with uh, one client. I would Jerry Maguire. I was working at another firm and, uh, they didn't want this client that was a startup and it was a luxury bathroom client. And I said, I'll, you know what? I'll, I'm going to run with this guy and I'll, I'll just out hustle. I didn't take any outside capital. I just grinded. So, uh, and relied on that one thing client. Uh, and that's the best story I can tell. Cause I started my, my agency with that one client It was called Waterloo washrooms they got, and then they sold in 2020 to a conglomerate, which is what they were looking for getting acquired. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to kind of elaborate on exactly how the journey went. And, you know, you have a lot of value to add behind leveraging um, conversations. So let's dive into that as our first topic. Why is it so important to really leverage the conversations you have with, whether that's clients or guests, um, Let's so, talk about uh, that. Yeah. So on, on sweat equity, it's not my intention for our guests to become either I can be contracted out as a fractional CMO or they become a client. But I my mentor was kind of telling me, hey, uh, you know, you're kind of not you have a great rapport with these people because he listens to the show. Uh, Eric uh, Redinger and I host Sweat Equity Podcast, the number one comedy business podcast in the world because there's no one else in the genre. Uh, and so uh, he was like, he he's pushed me in two ways that are really good. He's like, do you think you're moving your comedy career by not creating content 
you know, on, on a daily basis. And I was like, if you, you know, like he was right. Uh, and then the other part was, you know, we established this good conversation with, a, and now we're getting a lot of really great guests. You know, we have, we have bookers coming to us to put their people on um, instead of us going out and having to find everybody. And we're getting these CEOs of these with really interesting stories. And more than not, we end up gelling with them even just via Zoom. And, um, you know, I never want to be gross with the podcast and be like, you know, hey, you came on, let me, let me see if I can make you a client kind of thing. It's more mm-hmm. like, you mentioned this, you've got a hole in your game here. I think Eric and or I can help you with this. Um, and so it's not the intention. The show is kind of its standalone thing, but it can be leveraged, you know, one for the other. Uh, one thing I, I found when <laughs> when I'm I, I'm talking to a prospective client yeah. is that I tell them, A, hey, I'm a stand-up comedian at night. It's my moonlighting career. I've been doing it a long time. Uh, whoever your favorite stand-up is, I'm probably not like them because they always pitch someone that they love. And I'm like, it's, it's over thousand on that. Um, but I go, I'm going to use some weird metaphors. And I kind of, I kind of go in between professional and casual kind of in the same paragraph or sentence sometimes. So uh, just bear with me, but if I'm trying to find a through line with you and the other part is uh, if you want to know my character and kind of, I can't, hide myself over 400 episodes over 10 years of the podcast so you can that's if you need to know who i am as a person there's plenty out there to look at um and and that usually will open the conversation up a lot right it'll it you're in the trust business and sales right when you buy something you're trusting you're, you're trusting that whoever's pitching it to you is, isn't a snake oil sales. And so I feel like it, it kind of gave me a cheat code to kind of go, Hey, here's what I'm about. I, I like to be silly and make really crude jokes a lot of the time. Cause I just thought that's what makes me laugh, but my actions are way different. Uh, like I, I like to, I should put this on my dating apps that I'm on, but <laughs> I've never, never been arrested. I've never hit a, you know, I've never started a fight. No, I should put, I've never had an STD. Uh, never, <laughs> um, what else haven't you had? Let's see. Keep going. Like I've never, uh, what was, I had like a hit list and I was reeling this off to a friend of mine who's a brand advisor. And he was like, why aren't you putting this on your dating apps? I was like, I don't know. Uh, you should. I, you, I'm not wait, addicted to drugs. <laughs> all those, you know, like, Sadly, yeah. I'm in. I'm in a really rare. I have a day job. I have my own company. I have passions. I, I got a vasectomy. I don't know if that matters, but <laughs> for the, for the dating app metaphor, for some people, I will. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's one of those things where you know um, I try to be just really upfront. I, I've been yeah. called I've been called uh, an aggressive optimist, so I, I think people find me intense sometimes. Um, but it's only because I'm I'm the biggest male cheerleader for friends and family that tell me they want to do something. I'll be the guy that calls them up and follows up because, you know, that's what they asked for. Or uh, if it's a client that wants to do something and it's very ambitious, same thing. If I, if I feel like their proof of concept or their business plan 
looks good um, or just their vision and they need help guiding through that, you know, we'll, we'll start goal setting. We'll start all that. And then the, really the best leverage leveraging I can, I have is just word of mouth referral because the hard part about it, I'm going to say mostly digital marketing. We do offline as well. Um, but, you know, most of the time we're in the shadows and we have to be confidential. And so it's really tough to promote humble brag, your own work, uh, because it, it it's something that should, I, I really respect it too. It should be confidential for the client unless they're, they allow you to talk about it. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that was, uh, I, I can rant pretty, as long as you let me go. This is great. No, I want, I want to see how, what would you say would is like, let's talk about your client acquisition. Now you, you mentioned referrals, word of mouth. Um, let's talk about what is your main source though of business? Like where do you get most of your clientele from? It, um, I was looking at that the other day, honestly. Um, a lot of it is referral because it is like having the secret weapon, especially for like, I have a law firm niche, a lot of small, medium-sized law firms that hire me and not because my name's law, uh, it's Lawrence or Miss Jackson, if you're nasty, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, lawyers don't want to give up their, um, their, their queen piece on the chessboard to other attorneys because they are all kind of very, uh, they are very referral based. You know, if they don't have the practice area, they have someone they know to refer that case to. But when it comes to getting them leads, you know, it's tough because they don't really, they're not going to refer me out, but I've been able to, um, you know, how about this? One, uh, that So the main, the main chunk comes from you do good work, good work begets more work, right? So that's kind of my philosophy, number one. And that's probably 50% of the client acquisition I have. Um, the other chunk is I have kind of uh, what I call preferred partners, right? Mm-hmm. Here, here are people I, I compliment or supplement with or, comp- or Tokubaga supplement compliments uh, with. Like I have a uh, Apple IT uh, the only business certified Apple IT provider in the Tampa Bay area. Shout out to Scout IT. And the way I kind of look at it, they do the back end, we do the front end. And so okay. we, we've referred clients back and forth because they'll, they, ha- they have a lot of attorneys, they have a lot of professional services businesses, very similar kind of target audiences we go for. And they, they always get propositioned to do marketing. They're like, we don't do that. Here's our go-to, and same with me. If I find out someone's, you know, Apple-based, uh, you know, for their whole business, I go, "Oh, these guys are great. You won't ever have to go in the the Apple store." And they're great communicators too. They'll walk you through it because if my stuff, if my marketing language sounds Greek to clients, the IT side, as a MSP, a managed service provider side, is like. Uh, hieroglyphics. It's, it doesn't even make sense to most people. So um, those kind of relationships, I sought out. Um, I'm proactive in that. And and another one is I have a Rolodex of subcontractors I use. There's too many specialties in marketing now, um, especially with that, the 
the craziness of AI just kind of getting to everybody in the last year. And so occasionally I'll have a subcontractor that goes, hey, that's like an SEO person that I sub out. And they'll go, um, hey, I need full server cell here, but I'll handle the SEO for this client. So sometimes you get some of those. Um, but like video partners, that kind of thing, uh, you know, who do we complement best with? And then I vet them out proactively. Same with the subcontractors. Interesting. But, so- yeah, but really, if anybody's listening that is in marketing, it sounds like I don't do my own marketing. And that's really what I'm trying to work on this month is I can only say the uh, children, the cobbler's children has no shoes, you know, quote so many times. Um, cause you don't, most marketers don't get around to marketing themselves, but you can only really say that so long. It's like telling everybody you're going to like run a marathon, right. And you're doing it to, to be, to be held accountable a little bit, but you're kind of front loading the praise in a way. It's like, Ooh, good for you. That's great. And then no one ever follows up with you on it. So you just get, you get all the, you get all the praise at your brunch, but, uh, you know, you can only do that for so many times before it's like, all right, you know, so plus I'll get called out if something we're doing, branding, marketing, strategy wise, isn't publicly uh, running at full steam because they're like, well, if you don't, if you don't treat your own house well, how, how are you going to treat the neighborhood? Absolutely. Now, I just want to kind of touch on delegating and outsourcing since you had mentioned a few things about sourcing out. Now, when did you know it was time to outsource and delegate within your company? Um, right from the get-go. Yeah. I, I, the, the marketing agency model is really broken. Um, you know, a lot of them, there's a lot of them that are successful and they'll tell you they, they figured it out. I've been inside those. I've, I've been, I've been plucked to be, uh, you know, an inside hire at points. And the problem with, again, there's so many specialties now, right. Um, that I could probably list off about 50, like SEO, you, PPC alone, you could be awesome at Google ads, but you might not know anything about the other search pay-per-click advertising. Right. So you need, you need certain people. And so my whole idea was like, okay, most agencies break when they get a little big, right? There's a couple of like benchmarks. They get five employees, but those five employees can't do everything, right? Um, and so it's one of those things where now you have a bunch of full-time salaries that you're, you're trying to feed. And so I always looked at it like, I'm not going to hire anybody full-time until I have to. Now, the flip side of that is you, you have to be really good. I call it like a depth chart, like a football team's depth chart because I'm a meathead. Uh, and I would literally have like index cards on the wall. Okay, this person's SEO. And then also every client has a different set of variables, right? So if I need a PR person, what's PR, right? Well, it could be PR so segmented. You could go, I need a PR person that does events, or I need a PR person that's going to get us our client on Forbes because we need a credibility boost, or I need a, or they're very uh, industry specific. Just for example, like a sports PR person doesn't have the connections that an entertainment one does or a product 
you know, a product PR company does. So my thing was always like, all right, get the best sub, you know, subcontracting team for the client and their needs first, not try to jam a bunch of full-time employees to, to either slowly or incorrectly or both try to execute services. Does that make sense? It does. hundred percent. This is huge. And this is key, right? So law, I know that our episodes are really, really short, but I want to give you like the next couple minutes here to talk about anything that you have focused on for the next, you know, anything that you desire or have going on within the business in the next three to six months from now that you want to share with my listeners or even within the podcast. Um, and then also the best way to reach out to you, if there's anyone looking to connect with you off my, my listenership. Oh, um, they can go to lawsmithworks.com uh, or any of my social handles, I think, or lawsmithworks. You can get to me through that. Um, and uh, or sweatequitypod.com or my agency site, Tokabaga, but it's T-O-C-O-B-A dot G-A. Any of those will get to me. Um, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because uh, about w- what's your near future kind of strategy? And I, I kind of wish we did this interview like uh, two weeks, uh, like in July or something, you know, uh, because on my birthday, it's June 25th. Ooh, it's coming by the up way, 10 days. Yeah. And I don't really celebrate it because everybody has a birthday. That's kind of my my Larry David curmudgeon angle on it. Um, <laughs> what I do, though, is Christmas and my birthday, I try to rewrite the goals I have. I have goals that I set out for the whole year. And then I'll look at really assess them. Where am I? Because my birthday is exactly uh, uh, opposite of Christmas, which, by the way, side note, Christmas in July is garbage. It should be <laughs> Christmas in June. I don't know why Christmas in July is a thing, but it, it's bugged me my whole life. Because if you, if anybody listening has a summer birthday, your summer birthday already sucks because all your friends get cupcakes and stuff at school. And then when you have your birthday, no kids are in town. They're all at camp. And you're like, cool. This is sad. This is a sad birthday that no one could come to. Um so uh, anyway, so I, I try to assess. I really try to goal set. I do SMART goals. I'm not going to try to do that acronym, but if you look it up, uh, it, the biggest one is making sure it has a quantifiable, uh, quantifiable goal. Like I was taught at my in my economics class in high school, and it's stuck with me. Shout out to Coach Boza, uh, Jesuit um, in Tampa. Uh, he was saying going to church is not a goal. That's not a good New Year's resolution because that's what he was talking about. He's like, if you say you're going to go to church every three, three Sundays out of the month, now that's a quantifiable goal. And that's how you have to goal set. And it, that stuck with me uh, to this day. And so I really try to set those goals and then assess them. That's the other part. I see this with entrepreneurs and comedians all the time. And I talk to them and I go, are you spending 10, 10 minutes a day just to think about the day? The un, the unanalyzed uh, life is not worth living kind of thing, you know? And most of them, and I'm guilty of this too, like you can have so many things in the queue on your to-do list that 
you never really make time to to do that part. And that part's really important because you really have to analyze what is this working or is this not working? And I think a lot of people get hung up in this. Another real gripe I have is everyone's busy, you know, uh, right. and, and everyone. but, but you know, but you know, some people that tell you that and you're like, Oh, oh yeah, no, you're not. I know you're not busy. Like, I know you spend two hours on doing. <laughs> I don't get on. I I don't get on tick. I only post video clips, stand up clips on and and the podcast clips on TikTok, but I don't go on it because everybody I know that likes it is addicted to it. And I was like, they're like, yeah, man, I spend like an hour or two a night doing that. And I'm like, yeah, most people I don't, rate before they go to bed and and before they fall asleep and right when they get up, right? Yeah, and I go, I don't. I don't, I had an addiction to like, uh, not real addiction, but I'd play video games like those uh, NCAA college football video game like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever, 20 years ago, at least. Um, and I'd play that, you'd be recruiting fake players to your team in this game. And my roommate walked in and was like, what are you doing? Why are you playing this so much? And I was like, I don't know. This is a waste of life. That's how I kind of look at TikTok. I'm like, I don't need that addiction or I don't need... I don't want to watch Game of Thrones because that sounds like homework now. That's like 60 hours of my life. Um, and I'm not really interested in it anyway. So I, I really try to go. I really try. I, a couple of years ago, I really made a, 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 an effort, a calculated effort to go. Um, instead of doing 100 different things and kind of burning out bandwidth wise, I'm going to focus on being a good dad. And being present with my kids because I have them half the time, um, and I, I don't want them to be a stand-up comedian talking about how their divorced dad was aloof because I've heard that story a lot. <laughs> uh, Chris Rock talks about keeping your kids off the the stripper pole is his number one job. Mine's the mic pole. Uh, I don't if they, if they do stand up, I probably messed up somewhere. Um, the other the other thing is my business. Uh, staying healthy. I have to work out every day. Right before we did this, I was like, I'm going to wake myself up and go work mm-hmm. out real quick. Because uh, I get mild, I'm like a mild depression if I'm not active, playing sports or right. doing whatever. Uh, so you mentioned like that. That's really good that you mentioned. I don't mean to cut you off law, but no. um, you know, I was going to ask you as a successful entrepreneur yourself, you know, what are some successful or what are some uh, what's the word for it? what are I guess common traits or habits that you see yourself and other successful entrepreneurs have um is it with you is it you know you work out every day to give you that energy to give you that set the tone to the day kind of thing before your meetings or any other successful tips for any other entrepreneurs that can make a big change within business within communication I'll that keep you can it. do outside of the business. <laughs> Well, the other two things were stand up in the podcast. And those were the five things I was focusing on. But to answer your question, it was like, it was, how about this? I'll I'll give you, um, I'll give an extreme example and I'll give, uh, I'll give a kind of a practical thing you can do that I did. So, so if you look at all these, these, the Uber top tier echelon um, CEOs, entrepreneurs, right? At a, at a certain point, this is a thought I've had lately, so I'm workshopping it out with you, but um, I haven't talked to anybody about it. But if you really look at all these like 
maverick CEOs, entrepreneurs, they all, they get to a certain level and they all focus on their health and they focus on something. They, they also do a thing where they start <clears throat> like jujitsu is a big one. If you've noticed a lot of these big time kind of entrepreneurs. I'm not talking about Warren Buffett. He'll eat McDonald's every day and not do that. But I'm talking about <laughs> this eras, right? They're all into something. They start at zero to, to humble themselves too. And to really, it, it's a challenge for them, right? They, so if you're at the extreme point, you should be working on something like that in your, in your life. And it usually is something health-based or sport-based or or somewhere around working out. Jeff Bezos looks yoked now, right? Like I saw uh, Zuckerberg got his jujitsu belt the other day and Elon Musk did. And so you're like, okay, I, if I can incorporate this now and get in a routine, um, I also try to uh, do two things at once. So while I'm on a sit down bike in the morning, I can go through a lot of these pithy emails, you know, and zero that out. So I try to combine the two sometimes, or I'll write jokes or uh, creative problems. So, so that's kind of like the pragmatic advice I have is I use an app that's called uh, it's timely.ai is I think the website. It it's a time tracker that it's just for you. You can do it for teams too if you want, but time is the and this is the one thing we talk to CEOs. We talked to really high level executives on sweat equity. Time is the one commodity that they wish they had back. And there's sometimes there's a lot of sad regret with that. And I wanted to kind of be proactive in it. So this timely app, it's a you put it on all your devices, you log into it, it'll it'll eventually be able to guess where you spent your time throughout the day. Now the hard part is you have to, yeah, it's sweet. They've been around for a while, but I, and I look, I've referred this. I like to be the Susie Orman of, of productive apps and <laughs> any resources. I feel like that's a lot of value for what I do too. It's right. to be resourceful. But this timely app, if you look at your time, if you could, if you can carve out like, you know, thirty minutes on a Sunday or something to go, did I win or lose this week? Did I stay on track with what I wanted to do? Because you can get so flummoxed with so many things you got going on uh, and then you get overwhelmed and a lot of people break. And it's like, well, I spent <clears throat> this amount of time in traffic for meetings I didn't need to go to. So one thing I saw was like, I was chasing bad clients at one point. They're risky. Um, and, you know, you just get a bad vibe from them when you're talking to them that they're not super serious kind of people with their business. And it's like, I found that I was wasting so much of my life that uh, that could have been filled with working to find better clients or just paying attention. I stopped. So like one thing I stopped doing was stop chasing bad clients, but also it was like, I'm not going to try to work while I have my kids at home. They're five and six. I can't do that anymore. I can't get away with right. that. Right. When they're babies, and I was solo, what I like to say, solo DILF life. Um, I, you know, I could kind of get away with that because they they can't really they sleep a lot, and so or they can watch Coco Melon until their eyes. <laughs> yeah, and so and so like 
it's that thing of like, I found out over time, oh, I'm not getting the work done. I think I am. And I can't stay up late anymore. I can't do all nighters. I have to wake up early and right. hit it. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my extreme example of kind of pragmatic advice. And this is stuff we talk about on our podcast a lot too. Amazing. Law, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time of your day to really come on here and add so much value. You're a rock star and I really enjoyed this. Now, um, just one more time, the best way for all my listeners to be able to reach out to you would be, is it through the podcast? Is it your email? What's best just for you? Lawsmithworks.com or any social, it's Lawsmithworks. Um, get it? Like, it works or I work. Um, but Brittany, you've been incredible. Thank you for having me on. Um, and this was of fun. Of course. This was fun. Thank you so much. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Law did today to talk about what's going on in your business, talk about the podcast, a little bit about your journey, please go to top100interview.com. I'd love to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Catch you on the next show. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.